We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Jonathan Reynolds. He's the CEO of Titus Talent Strategies. Jonathan is energized by inspiring company leaders and equipping them with unique approaches to better understand their people, foster organizational alignment, and create optimum performance among their team members. He does this for his own organization and has been on Inc. 5000's list of fastest growing companies now for four years in a row. Jonathan is also a best-selling author of Right Seats, Right People, A Leader's Guide to Hiring and Developing Top Talent. What I appreciate most about you, Jonathan, is your generous leadership style. Welcome to ROG. Hey, thanks for having me, Shannon. It's good to good to be here. Good to meet you in person. I mean, this is this is the new in person, I guess. Just video. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a true connection. A true connection. Yes, you were a speaker at an event that a good friend of mine was attending, and she sent me a text and said, "You have to have Jonathan on your podcast. He's all about generosity, and he was captivating." So, thank you for being willing to share some of your wisdom with us and your insights. And we haven't had a guest talk about hiring talent either. So this is new territory for us. But why don't we start at the beginning or back to what do you think has caused you to become a generous leader? Oh, good question. So I'm youngest of five kids, uh, grew up in Bath, England, um, you might say Bath, but I say Bath because that's where I'm from. So, um, but I lived in the States for about near, coming on 25 years now. Um, but I grew up um, youngest of five kids. And my parents, they'd always say that they wanted to live on 10% and give away 90. And I'm thinking, Flip, you must, you have to be really rich to do that. <laughs> like, so, um, and that wasn't my, that wasn't my upbringing either. We did not come from, uh, my dad was a social worker. Um, and uh, I was thinking, you know, this is not the most lucrative of, of career choices. But uh, when, when that's what his uh, education was in social work. But um, and they went on and changed the world. And uh, it's amazing. Um, but uh, one of the things I saw modeled by my parents was, just radical generosity. Um, it's carried on. My wife and I still look at each other. Anytime we go to some kind of a fundraiser or some kind of opportunity to give financially, we, we have this deal where we look at each other and it's like, you got the number? Whoever's highest, we just go with that one. You know, like, so it's kind of like, you got your number in the head? We're ready? Ready? Yeah. Okay, go. And we both say it at the same time and, <laughs> uh, and, we, and we just laugh. You know, it's just a fun little thing to do. How has that played a part in, in your life and in, uh, in your leadership? Um. Well, I think probably from the opportunity of starting um, starting a company, my um, it was it was an interesting. It wasn't from totally from scratch. I was an employee of another company and launched a, a recruiting division. Um, it was a financial services firm. I launched a recruiting division, and um, it was it had a different kind of culture than the other company. And then we got to a point where we carved it out, and I you know purchased that piece of the business, um, and uh, my. Now, business partner was my old boss in that company. Um, and so when we sat down, kind of we, we started writing our own little manifesto, what we were about, where are we going, what do we exist for? Um, and, 
and we both just looked at each other and agreed that we exist for generosity. We want to, we want to, I don't like the term giving back. It just sounds like you took too much, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like, yeah. All right, put that back. <laughs> You're a buffet or something. You took too much for food here. Leave someone for someone else, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to take too much, but if the heart and motive is generosity, I'm like, great. I don't, I don't want to charge a fair rate for the work we do, but knowing that in partnership, um, we're doing this thing with the heart of generosity of how we can change other people's lives, how we can make the world a better place, how we can do good in our own town and afar. Um, and so, so yeah, we, from the very sort of inception at the beginning was we we're going to make a, a conscious choice that from our first dollar, not our millionth dollar, but our first dollar we're going to give. Because mm. I think sometimes you're like, well, when I'm rich, I'll do this. I want to be a millionaire so I can be really generous. And I, I was like, no, you won't. You yeah. won't become generous when you get wealth. That's what I want to teach our kids. Like, you know, generosity is in our heart, and it goes <laughs> releasing it in our hands. You know, like we, like if we're going to go somewhere, find something that we have that we can give away to somebody else. And uh, I, I think the psychology of that is phenomenal as well. Like just being making a choice to give up something. Um, it does something in our brains and, um, when you actually give sacrificially and it actually, Oh, this one's going to cost you. It does even more to our brains. Of, I've just never seen a grumpy, generous person. I never have. Right. I think it is impossible to be upset and, uh, negative and generous and grateful. You know, I feel like whenever we're like in that mm-hmm. spirit of gratitude and generosity, it just, it's a game changer mentally, emotionally, physically. So yeah. how have you been able to manifest some of the the returns on generosity? You're talking about some of them right now, just feeling so good. And I think that's primarily what mm. the return is, the, is the emotional and mental. But what, what can yeah. you say about how this could be even a good business model. Yeah. I, I, um, I spoke at a, a summit recently um, with business owners in the room and, uh, and I was talking about the, <clears throat> the deep connection between generosity and company growth and employee retention, like the engagement retention piece. How, if you are a, a lot of companies have a, a giving component to them, like a generosity component. Um, like we give back to these things in our community which I think is great. Absolutely awesome. Um, I think there's an opportunity for more uh, purposeful um, and personalized generosity. What I mean by that is, and I was speaking to these business owners at this summit about if you find out what's important to your team members, what they care about, what their families care about, what they like to sew into, what they want to give with with their checkbooks, also their hands and the time that they spend, Find out what those things and actually give to that. You'll have a greater return than if you wrote a check to fill in the blank, not for profit five hundred one c three for a for a tax deduction. <laughs> you know, like it, you can you can do that. And go, hey, we gave yeah. to this thing, and look, we're a sponsor of this big event. Or you can actually sew into something. Right. I'll give you a quick example. Um, there was a team member uh, um, at Titus Talent Strategies, and I just saw on social uh, a post for um, we're raising money, fundraising for something. I clicked on it. I was like, okay. And the number was, a, I thought it was quite a low number, actually. I was like, the goal, this financial goal was quite low. And I'm thinking, come on, you can do more than that. And I was like, I can do that right now. I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll make you meet, meet your goal without thinking about it. Uh, and it was, it was very minimal to me. Um, and uh, I got this email back 
Um, and it just said, I am blown away. Like we've met our goal and I've done, done my, just done this for years and I've never met our goal. Um, and, uh, she said, my husband's sister died of cystic fibrosis. So we've committed every year to give, and this has been our goal. We've never hit, reached our goal. Um, and I was just like, wow, your gratitude is, you know, it's, it's, it's inspiring me. I'll double it. So I just said, we'll double it right now. And then I got another email back saying, okay, I'm going to wait till my husband gets home here, um, to tell him this, but, um, his 11 year old, uh, sister died of cystic fibrosis. And we've never once had anyone in our company, either of our companies that we work for help with our goal. And I'm thinking, wow, like you, like, and we're talking like, I hire social people. I'm like, well, how come nobody has helped you in this thing that you're passionate about? They said, nobody in the company or the co- corporations that I've ever worked for. And I just said, okay, I will double what we give to this cause every year for as long as you live with us. You're working with us, not live with us, but as long as you're working here. And so I'm like, you know, you're here in four years' time, it'll be X. Um, and, and, you know, four years time, it was, you know, equivalent to like a salary or something like that, you know? Like, it was, it was a bigger number. But I'm thinking, I, I, as I did it, I thought, I'm going to give the money anyway to somewhere. Why would you not use it to these things? And, and these business owners are thinking, well, isn't that manipulative? Like, you're giving to this cause to really retain them. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> like, you better believe it. Do I want to retain this employee? Yes. Do I want to end cystic fibrosis with the research that comes from the finances I'm sowing it? Yes. Do I think there's a combination of those two that work really, really well together? Yes. Like, what? You know, and do you think this person now, their engagement level goes up? Do you think when they go to Thanksgiving and Christmas parties and things like that, and they start talking about, what do you do now again? You know, oh, I work for this company. And let me just tell you about the company. More importantly, what they do, let me tell you about what they've done for me. And it's kind of like, wow, the level of pride. Um, and I'm not saying I, could, I couldn't financially do this with everyone, every team member. But it was like something that I think probably as visionary entrepreneurs and business owners, we, we try something out and go, wow, that was really cool. Can I do that again? Like, and yeah, yeah, I felt like I stumbled yeah. across something of going, there is a connection between growth and employee retention and engagement and generosity is a key in the middle of it. And we can, we can be intentional, mm. purposeful, and personalized. Um, so, yeah, that's what I discovered. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that and for contributing to such a worthy cause. That's one of the many things that needs a solution. And so how do you collect that information? How do you, I mean, you just happened to stumble across this face, Facebook post, but like how sy- systemically can you gather that kind of information? That's, that's a good question. I'm still discovering this. I'm on a total journey of generosity myself personally and for the company and saying, how do we, how do we say, oh, this company is about generosity. No, it's not just the company. We're not a generous company. We're a company full of generous people. Um, and so there are little things we do um, to try and take people on this journey. One is um, every every um, uh, November, it's kind of a thankful Thanksgiving, thankfulness, and we just we're a bit more intentional about generosity. And we give every one of our employees, we do it a different way. Sometimes we say, gather as a team, here's a bunch of cash, 
go find a good cause um, and find a good story. Because it's all about, we're, we love stories. Stories are, I mean, I just told you a story about someone. And stories are contagious that have been for, since the creation of time. Um, they are told like fables and people go, I've got to tell you a story. And I think there's stories of generosity. And when we hear the story, it motivates us personally as well. Like, ah, oh, I got to get on that. I got to get on that generosity thing. Like, man, I need to be more generous. And so when somebody receives generosity or is a conduit of it, so I, I love doing the conduit, like, hey, I'm going to give you a bunch of money. And, you know, even if we've done a like hundred bucks for every one of our employees, go find somebody who this will really bless and blow their mind and, and wrote a report back on it. Most of the people in our company double it. They're like, if you'll give it a hundred, I'll give a hundred. That's a beautiful thing. And so what do you think about non-financial giving? Like very much our, our take on generosity here is typically around like investing in others in ways like giving people opportunities and a break and forgiveness and mentoring. So what are some of the ways that your generous culture shows up that way? I, um, yeah. I had somebody in our, um, uh, one of our executives, one of our senior, senior leaders um, in the company, it said, Hey, um, would it be, would it be cool if we actually gave um, like people time and credit in our system to go do good acts, um, acts of service, whether it be working for not-for-profits and things like that. Um, and so we kind of almost like, hey, you get one day a year to do that. We're paying you to go and do good. And I said, absolutely not. And I'm like, they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm not paying you to go and do good. Like we hire people who do good. Go do it. We hire generous people. We hire people who think about other people. Um, and um, it was, you know, it was definitely a, a different way of looking at it. Um, and I think it was, we had to process it through and talk to this person in human resources, the head of HR. I'm like, oh, well, uh, a lot of companies do this, though. And I'm like, I totally get it. I totally get it. I'm not. I've got a problem with that. It's great. It's a great heart behind it. It's just the execution of it. I would rather hire people who are uh, generous with their time. Um, and that's a, yeah. And if they don't have that, well, let's inspire them to give it their time. So we, we did um, two, two other things on the sort of the actual giving component. So one of our things is we, we talk about the priorities of our company, people first, take care of our people first, then our partners who are our customers, they, they come second uh, and I realized that because if it all fell apart and imploded and something really bad happened in our company, I wouldn't really cry over one of our clients. Honestly, they'll all go and find another company. They'll replace us quickly because they have a need and they'll find another one. Maybe not as good as us, but, um, but I, would, I would shed some tears, a lot of tears over our people and the families that I have a responsibility to care for. So I said, ah, I can tell you which one's more important to me is the people. So then our partners and their third profits, but we are a profit company. We are a for-profit company, so we have to make money. If any of those three are not there, then we're going to be in big trouble. You know, we need people, we need partners, and we need profits. Um, so they're all connected, but it's the decisions we make. So we, we rotate those themes each year for our company annual gathering. So we're 100% remote company or mobile, as we call it. Um, and so this coming year um, in May, we'll take the entire company, so 200-plus salaried team members will head down to Ensenada, Mexico, and work with an organization called Homes of Hope, and we will build homes together. Um, we'll build from scratch. Like I mean, it's very well run. Over a two-day period, literally, we'll frame our entire house, and we'll hand the keys, and we'll furnish it with a family. We've done this before. Um, we do it every year, um, but uh, um, with our employees, it's every three years. Um, but, uh, 
But yeah, and it's amazing, but not a dry eye on the team because it's just so moving when you're with somebody with such poverty and we've given them a home. But here's the point, the one amazing story we had. Last time we went down there, right before the pandemic, um, our teams came back to the hotel after the first day of building. And they're like, one of the teams, because uh, we did three homes that year, um, they said, we were amazed by the family that we were building for didn't seem that expressively thankful uh, day one. And I was like, nah. so they asked their, um, the translator, I said, why, why is that? They said, well, culturally, it's hard for them to tr- trust and actually believe they're going to get the home. And I'm like, really? They said, yeah, because they have to buy a, get a mortgage on the land and the mortgage is around 18% interest, literally a death trap, um, earning less than 100 bucks a week. If they get sick one week or a few weeks, the bank will repossess that land. Um, if they can't pay their mortgage, they'll repossess the land and they'll take the home that you just gave with it. And I'm like, wow. So our team members said, well, how much is their mortgage on the land? We, we built them the house and we built the house. How much is the mortgage? And they calculated the mortgage and our team was just like, we could pay off their mortgage so they'd actually be debt-free and that'll change the course of their life. And um, I was like, great, let's give the other teams an opportunity. So at dinner, I said, hey, this is what's happened. And so I said, you've got 24 hours before, before we're done here. I'm just, I, I paid for the, the homes and the trip down here. This is on you. And it was that thing of, I don't want to be, we could do it as a company, but I think it's actually healthy for our team members to do it. So it was kind of like, <clears throat> excuse me, passing a hat. But they all gave to our, we have a foundation. They just gave online to our foundation. Um, they wiped off three families' mortgages. So we handed them keys to the house and say, oh, and also we paid off. And they just fell in heaps, tears, these families. Here. I think that thing of how do you take people on a journey of generosity to become, to become more giving of your, not just finances, but time, talents. And every one of our team members seemed to be like, how do I get my family down here? How do I take more? I want, to, I want other people to experience this. And so um, we started doing it with our clients. Um, and partners out there and people we have relationships with, vendors we'll take. And so we'll do three, we'll do four home bills in 2023. Thank you for sharing that with us. And and that it has such a ripple effect and that they get so much buy-in. And then they're also using their talents that they use at work for other good, like solving this problem, right? Like, you know, the people who came up with the, with the idea and then the plan and how they rallied everyone together and worked out finances. Absolutely. And so your primary role at Titus Talent Strategies is to get the right seats filled with the right people. The title of your book is Right Seats, Right People. Um, tell us a little bit about like your philosophy on hiring and recruiting and retaining top talent. Yeah. So I, I mean, the whole thing of culture and even like generosity, stuff. it could it could get really like, oh man, there's a lot of heart going on, right? There's a lot of like compassion, a lot of motivation on that side. But um, we are really, really clear on performance. Every single person in, the, in our company knows exactly what is quantifiably expected of them. And it is very, very clear to them and to their managers, um, coaches around them. We're coaching around performance all the time. Um, literally, if I'm going to give you 100% of your salary, then you need to give me 100% performance. That's, that's fair. If you want more salary, then you need to give me more performance. That's fair. So, yeah, I think that we're really, really clear on that. So when we, and right, right person, right seats is great. Jim Collins from good to great. He talked about mm-hmm. that, get the right people on the bus. It's really, really great. Um, 
it's sometimes it can be this kind of like right people, right seats. Like, yeah, who are our people? Let's find out where they're all going to sit now. And I'm like, let's just, let's actually just put the people aside for a second and let's look at these actual seats and go, okay, if you're going to fill this seat, what would be quantifiably expected of this person who sits there? What do they need to do, achieve, or accomplish to be considered successful by their anniversary date? And a lot of companies don't think that way. So we place you know, close to a couple thousand people this year at companies all around the United States. And we rarely even look at the job description because most job descriptions like kind of describe a person as opposed to the actual what the job is. Like, What do you quantifiably need to have this person do, achieve, or accomplish to be consider them a great hire? Don't talk to me about culture. Don't talk to me about values at this point. Just talk to me about performance. And so that's the seat. And then we're like, okay, now a person's going to sit in that seat. And so it's not just a piece of paper. It's not a resume matching a job description. We don't do that. A real person. So we say it's the head, the heart, the briefcase. So the head is the behaviors and cognitive. You need some kind of an assessment for that. I don't care which one. Use a valid legal one. The heart is all about values and motivations. What are their personal lived core values? I, I use this one all the time. I've had the privilege of traveling yeah. a lot in my life and different countries and cultures. And I use the word integrity because everyone can say, yeah, yeah, integrity is important. Well, it doesn't, I know that it means a lot of things to different people. And so like in an interview, I might say, say, hey, Shannon, it's uh, 11 o'clock on a uh, Monday morning. What did, what did you tell your boss you're doing? Because we're having an interview right now. So what did you tell your boss you're doing right now? I'm like, well, I just said I was at the dentist. You know, I'm like, oh, good one. That's a good one. We often use that one, right? The doctor dentist line. That's because no one asks any questions about it. That's cool. Uh, so when things get a little bit awkward for you, you would just lie to get out of the the situation then? Is that how that works for you? Like your value system is it's okay to lie to your boss if you if it prevents you from actually saying something that's true and maybe a bit personal. And it's kind of like, what? Because that's what you just told me. And so if I was to hire you and you were going to say I'm going to the dentist or doctor, my assumption is I've got a 50-50 chance whether this person's telling the truth or not. Because you just told me you already lied this morning. Uh, and so, and they're like, what, what, are you, what am I supposed to say? And I'm like, well, we can end the interview right now because we wouldn't hire you. <laughs> and so people go, wow, that's a bit brutal. I'm like, for me, I would say I've got something personal. I will be not working on that during those hours. End of story. Like, because that is a true statement. So, so the values really define those and what do they look like by way of behavior? And then lastly, the briefcase, what do they bring to the table by way of experience, et cetera? So there's lots more go into it. We have a detailed process on how we help companies with the hiring and we train them how to do it. We do it for them as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah. So for people that are listening to this and are thinking, oh my gosh, I've made so many hiring mistakes in the past. What are some of the practical things? Like these are these are like the three categories of what we should be listening for. But just you know, in terms of finding this talent and then going through this interviewing process, onboarding. I mean, you are one of the only firms that I'm aware of that guarantees performance for a year, not just for a week or a month, but for a year. So you are you're doing it right because you're putting you're putting everything behind it. What are some of the things that you could teach our listeners to do to kind of reduce the pain associated with hiring? There's a great book it's called Right Seats Right People. You can go on Amazon. That's a, that's a, as you start. Uh, shameless plug. Uh, yeah, uh, which is a four-phase process on how to do this really well. First of all, defining the seat. Um, then where do you search for this person? Simply it's finding hiring an A player and I just mean somebody who's going to give 100%. Mm -hmm. um, that's simply what I mean by that. Um, 
finding those, they, uh, they go about career moves very differently than B's and C players. So if you're going to attract A players, you need to think about A players in whatever it is, if you're engineering or finance and accounting, whatever the role is, the A players in that space, how do they make career moves? And it's very different than the B's and C's. Number one, probably they're not applying to jobs. Now, the listeners are all like, whoa, I applied for a job once or twice or 10 times. What are you saying about me? All right, totally. You, if you're hearing me say that, you're the exception to the rule. Everybody else? Anyway, no, I'm kidding. But uh, it's generally speaking, um, and we all know somebody who's been unemployed. We all know somebody who's lost their job and it's tragic. But generally speaking, top performing individuals uh, are poached. They're networked. They, apply, they go about jobs very differently. I always say, don't apply for a job. I don't think we've hired, maybe we've hired one person, 1% of our hiring maybe, uh, who's actually applied. We just, we come from referrals and we go and steal you. And so, um, so the, there's the search part. And then using some kind of a, a process or a scorecard for hiring. I, along with other people, have made some really bad hiring decisions. You think, whoa, seriously? I'm like, yes, when I hire with my gut, I'm a very intuitive person. Um, I got a good read on people. It, that's just a really bad process for hiring. I, I can tell you if I like somebody, but I can't tell you if they're going to be the right person to get the job done. I have to use some kind of an objective scorecard and I have other people use the same scorecard and we gather together and we go, what did you score them on this? Head, heart, briefcase thing. Um, like, really? Oh, interesting. So how did you get to that point? So really digging around in, with a scorecard. And I remember yeah. the last time I made a really bad hiring mistake was they didn't line up on the scorecard. So is the scorecard <laughs> dependent on the seat or the scorecard is the scorecard regardless? Yeah, it totally depends okay. on the seat. Yeah, yeah. You, what are you scorecarding on each of these okay. things? Um, but I mean, like your, your, your core values or your live values, whatever you want to call them as a company, I think they remain across the whole, whole board for everybody. But the key is actually breaking them down to, to behaviors. So if you're saying integrity, what does it look like in your culture? Like if you're saying excellence, what does, it, what does that look like? Um, because it's different for everybody and you need to know what you're actually the benchmark okay. for. Is. And so when you're interviewing, do you suggest asking behaviorally specific interviewing questions, like examples? Of- One of my mentors, Lou Adler, he's, he came up with, he's the originator of performance-based hiring. Um, and I literally took that and ripped it off and made it smaller, <laughs> made it simpler for me. <laughs> I got a great relationship with him. But uh, uh, so his question is the most, what is your most significant accomplishment or career accomplishment? So if I said to Shannon Cassidy, you're pretty amazing. What if you just, if it all ended today, you couldn't work a day rest of your life and you got an opportunity to tell somebody a story and they said, what's the most significant thing you ever did, Shannon? And you pause, you think about it. You're like, okay, I got it. Okay. I can spend the next hour and a half just hearing about that story. And I probably got 50 questions I could ask you about it as you tell the story. Like, wow, how did you come about that? How did you start that project? How did you design it? How did you architect that? And that's where you're getting all of your stories of references from. You're like, wow, it's like a salesperson. Like, tell me the biggest sale and tell me the whole story. Like you, they'll, they'll just tell you a story, right? But if, rather than saying, what would you do in this situation? They can just BS their way through stuff. Storytellers can. But if they're telling a specific story that they told they, the, from their experience, now mm-hmm. you're finding all the players and you can ask and you yeah. write down, oh, okay, so who was that? So when you said the CFO really didn't like your proposal, sure. what was their problem with your proposal? It was this. How did you accomplish that? What was the CFO's name? I write that down because I'm going to call that CFO. And then you can find mm-hmm. out if this person... 
if they took on this job that you have in mind for them, you're looking for all of the major things in your job in their story as well. Yeah. And do you tell people right away, like if you like that person who is going to the dentist, according to. Oh, yeah. Oh, if if it's it's one of those ones. Yeah. Um, But I I am pretty antagonistic. I'm not. I'm the youngest of five kids. I know how to annoy people. Um, So, but yeah, I, I, I can be a little bit of a, you know. But I, I, I do it in a nice way, you know, I'm like, hey, this is why I don't think, and I see people push back a lot. I'm like, I don't think that would really work in our culture the way, you know, I don't think we're aligned in that way. I'd rather be honest with people than have somebody else have to let them down with some like fluffy answer that isn't really the real reason why we're not moving forward. At the end of every episode, we do an ROG mm-hmm. takeaway tip, how people can okay. apply what they've learned to their own work and lives. So I'm going to give you a recap of some of the things I have that I'm going to start practicing and that I'd love for you to add. So I have the head heart briefcase and that's for all of us to do our own inventory of, you know, what are our key behaviors, what are our core values and what are some of the experiences that we have that we want to leverage in our in our careers. And then the idea of asking quality questions and opening up conversations that would give you information that's useful in other ways, but it also puts the person in a position of power. And then I also love the idea about generosity and making that a part of your cultural norm and just looking for ways in and outside of the walls of your business to make a big impact. Okay. That's what you add to that, John. Totally. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave with this then. And this is, I've not said this, so it's not a kind of recap, but um, I think for many people, many companies, they have a business plan. My, where do, what's the plan for the next year or many, like three years? Where do you want to be in three years' time? Ten years, it's a big dream, but three years. What does the next three years look like for us or where we're going to go? So we, we, we do that. We communicate to our employees. So take it to the next level. Then, well, what does it look like for every one of the people in the company? Start with your lead. Start with your leaders. Start with you as an individual. Like, well, what does the next few years look like for me personally? Because I want to, I want to be challenged. I want to, I want to have a challenge in front of me every single day. Like, there's something that's challenging me, stimulating me mentally. Like, I've got to, I've got to work at this. It's not just easy peasy. Um, I want to know that I will still feel challenged in 18 months' time. Like, that's really important. And I want to know the impact that I'm having in the organization. Like, is it impactful what I do? Can I see that it has an impact on the end game? And I think everybody in an organization has, maybe not the right, it's a bit of a big word, but the privilege of working with you, of knowing those three things as well. Like, am I being challenged? Will I still be challenged? So do I know what's coming? Um, and it's those three things that if you don't know it for yourself, um, someone will try and recruit you. And they'll tempt you with those three things if they're a good recruiter. If you work with any of Titus's recruiters, they're going to tempt you with those three things. Are you being challenged? Do you know what's next for you in your, in your current role? And do you, could you tell me the impact you're having? Okay, maybe it's worth us talking. Would you, would you be open to considering a career move then if I could show you those three things? And, and 80% of people say yes to that. They're like, yeah, I would love to know. Great. So, so trajectory, where am I going? Where am I going? Where am I going? Um, I think that's a huge component. Um, at this, if you're hiring people, use the same thing. Don't hire somebody for day one job only. Let them know what's coming 18 months down the road. If you kill it and crush it in this job, then I would have no reason to not, not move you into this seat. Maybe not a promotion, but a new challenge, a new role. Um, 12, 18 months down the road, 
Um, and then here's the impact that you can have that you'll will have on you, you'll have on us, you'll have on your family, and your, your um, because you're working with us. I think if you can articulate those things, you'll attract way more A players. Um, you can vet them and screen them better. Um, and then for yourself, if you're going, I don't have any of those things in my job. Um, not that we find people jobs. We don't do that as a company. We only represent companies. But um, reach out to me and I'll help give you some counsel and cons- consult on how to land the job of your dreams. I can do that too. That's brilliant. So. And this is this is airing at the beginning of 2023, which is a great opportunity for our listeners to take stock in what you're saying, to get a copy yeah. of Right Seats, Right People, and to do yeah. that self-inventory of, you know, where am I going and how does yeah. my leadership team look? And then how do I create the culture where people know that they can grow here and we're always going to invest in them? Yeah, you got it. Brilliant. You got it. Uh, uh, yeah, and reach out. If, 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 find me on LinkedIn if anyone wants to yeah, chat. So yeah, where can people find you, Jonathan? Cool. Where can people find LinkedIn you? It's a great place to do that there. Click, follow, um, connect if you want to. Um, and then any of the social media platforms that are out there. Okay. And all of those links will be in the show notes. Well, thank you for sharing your valuable time with us and this great wisdom. We so appreciate you, Jonathan. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.